Death of Life A boy of 17 from my distant connections committed suicide a couple of days before. I don't know him personally, but it felt me disturbingly. Untimely death has become such a common phenomenon around us. It is one of the many cases and media is littered with such reports each day. Suicide rates have been on a rise in recent decades. Adolescent population comprises the major part of the suicidal trends. I have been an overt proponent of the proposition which arguments the right to death as a fundamentally inherent and indisputably indispensable part of the right to life. The right to dignity is imminent to these dynamics and I find suicide devoid of that noble dignity. Having said that, I don't belong to the preaching naysayers. No, I don't. I have my reasons and also an elbow room left for exceptions as well as trailblazers. I find suicide rather instinctively contradictory to our elemental existence. However impossible and unlivable life may seem, our each and every singular atomic identity collectively thrives for life, even in the most unlikely and end of it times. All vital struggles lead to life, not death. Death itself reinforces life. It is incidental to life. Our physiological biology and anatomical constitution tries to handicap our capacity to self-destruction, both mentally and physically. The instinct to survive acts upon like recoil velocity, resisting and even in the itsy-bitsy unlife moments. Religions round the globe are exponent of the same idea. The spiritual annotations don't differ either with the little divergence of the thought of line. All vocally converge to the same principle. Christian faith considers suicide as abominable as a homicide and Judaism prohibits it to the extent of excommunication, while Islam condemns it instilling dreadful purgatory sanctifications of after-death. All three had been draconian to the precepts of interdiction of burial, to the one who committed suicide, and ostracism to their family. Hinduism and Buddhism also expound to abstain from suicidal thoughts and actions, but in a less stringent way than the former ones. That is more due to the bearing of these religions and less because of the will. They sanction prescription to proscription. I favor the same line of thought. There is something great and terrible about suicide, Honda de Balzac once said. I agree. Therefore I won't say, and I don't believe, that the one who commits suicide is weak. But he is definitely and by all means weaker than the one who decides to live in the face of life. Life is not a bed of roses, and we know not what one goes through. It's not about right or wrong, but no reason is good enough to end life. Life is ought to be completed, not finished. A spiritual reliance also infers suicide inconsistent and incompatible with our fundamental being. It maintains suicide as a hindrance to our relationship itself. Complementary to the religious contention of it is an obstacle to our relationship with God. 
it is an impediment to self-discovery and growth. Besides religious and spiritual, suicide has also been at the center of political, legal and social discourse at various point of times. While its practice is censured time and again, its practice is also spread over a wide terrain intra-alia medical and clinical conditions, personal conscious choices, cultural beliefs, religious affiliations, cult associations, martyrdom and heroism, dignity, pride and faith. Sati, Johar, Salekna, Santhara, Sepuku, Harakiri, Lingchi, worthy suicides or self-sacrifice, euthanasia, altruistic sacrifice, benevolent suicides, at all are such institutionalized forms. Mythos, lores, history, present, all are littered with justified theories of its exercise in opposition to its condemnation. Nonetheless, these are just anomalies, bleeps on the screen of death, that I at least can't yes no to with conviction. Perhaps any matter, out of its contextual sense, is travesty. Legally, suicide is considered the deliberate or intentional taking of one's own life. In progressive laws, it is not observed as crime, whereas there are countries which still consider it a criminal offence or have decriminalized it not long ago. Mostly Asian and South African countries are still contesting it a crime. On the other hand, European and North American countries have kept it out of the purview of law. Here it must be clear that I am not talking about the unintended and arbitrary instances of incitement to suicide or assisted suicides. Furthermore, irrespective of its criminalization and decriminalization, suicide has been unanimously discouraged as well as stigmatized all over the world. In India, Section 309 of the Indian Penal Code criminalizes suicide and lays down provisions for punishment and fine, or both, for whoever attempts to commit suicide or does any act towards its commission. Mental Health Care Act 2017 has been a building block towards its decriminalization. It decriminalizes suicide attempt with effect from 2018, but it does not do away with the respective IPC section. Also, it takes into account only severe stress or the mental aspect of this whole spectrum. Nevertheless, well begun is half done. Apart from the individual aspects and legal implications, it has some other shared interests at stake too. It is no less than a devastating disaster to the family of the deceased. The void lingers with unanswered questions and ceaseless speculations leaving emotional vacuum of shared experiences. At societal level, its repercussions instigate a culture of insubstantial and hopeless tradition. Moreover, if relied upon the religious and spiritual consequences, the ripple effect would be dismantling to the foundation of our common ethos and existence as a collective entity. As a well-spent day brings happy sleep, so a life well-used brings happy death. Our happy deaths await ahead, which we would embrace for sure on our days, when we would have been done with our jobs and served our purposes.
Till then, we live to see the loveliness of life and the beauty of death in all its grandeur. Nothing can happen more beautiful than death, Walt Whitman once said. The death after life. Perhaps this discourse won't be complete without a little wording from Elizabeth Kubler-Rose. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep, loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. Let us make such beauty happen. I believe in the butterfly effect of actions, the scattered pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, kaleidoscope of colorful chaos, incomprehensible mysteries of life. If nothing immediate, maybe some distant attainment waits for our advent. If not for ourselves, maybe our being serves in purpose for some others, if not now. Maybe the ripples we make in time now would cause ripples in time then. If worthwhile be the dream, any difficult would be the fleeting pang. If meaningless be this existence, what worth do we seek in this momentary pain to end life? Pursuit is nobler than the accomplishment. Destinations derive their beauty from paths. I am not to preach. I am not to judge, but I recede when you shrink. You there, in any part, any time, are part of the picture I pose in. You complete my album of life. I do yours. I seek you in the pursuit of life. Let us live together. No man is an island, entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a cloth be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or of thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never sent to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Namaskar. Mm-hmm.